Kamal K. Franklin. Okay. And I'm here with? Uh, it's Kalanji Jamachang, and I can't stand myself. Nobody can. Hey. us is? <laughs> I go by the name of the Ed Doctor. Yeah. And of course, transmitting live from the planet Earth, it is Minister Server. Okay, Sir. okay. Over with? Oh, ja. the intern is missing Ja. What happened? We'll always love the Did you ja. fire Ja? Ja got nah, fired? Nah, oh. ja, ja, ja had to go out of town to handle some B.I. Okay. Oh. Stay high, Ja. All right, he buying some weed. All right, good. We got that. We understand anyway. that. Anyway. Yeah. Get in the business, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, you know, it's been a, a wild week. It's been very wild, yo, very wild. Man, I mean, first and foremost, man, I want to say, you know, we here in Atlanta, mm -hmm. we call RBG Rap Brown, Georgia, True. home of the thief and the slave, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, everybody by, no, by now, everyone knows that there was a shooting out here, mm -hmm. eight people. Eight people killed, Mother. yeah, all women, two uh -huh. Asian women, I mean, six Asian women, two yes. white women. Okay. Um, this dude named Robert Aaron Long. Robert Aaron Long. Yeah, white boy who went to massage parlor. Apparently, he went, he frequented massage parlors. Yeah. And at least according to his story so far that's been released, is that so for some reason or another, he was upset um, when went back to several different massage parlors, including the ones that he frequented. And he started shooting. And so the authorities are saying there's no evidence yet to suggest that it's racially motivated. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's a white boy who is, again, going on a killing spree. Oh, hold on, man. In Cherokee County, where mm -hmm. the first shootings took place, um, you know, you had this nice lily white officer. I forgot his name. Jake the Snake or some bullshit <laughs> like that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this particular character, he decides to say, when he gets on the, on the news conference, he said, man, you know, the young man had a, a, a bad day. He had a very bad oh, day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So the hell with the women right. who yeah. were murdered. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No the hell compassion. with the victims. Mm -hmm. No you know empathy. I mean? Right. Right. Now, the, the, the story gets more bizarre. Mm -hmm. This rat bastard, uh -oh. uh, Johnny Come Lately, whatever the hell his name is, mm -hmm. Mr. Cracker Man, he decides that he's going to get up there. Uh, after he says this or whatever, um, the folks do an investigation and they find that he had some t-shirts online and the t-shirt said COVID-19 and at the bottom of it said made in China. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So this is what this, this white boy yeah, yeah, yeah. up in Cherokee County, mm -hmm. which is the Ackworth area, this is what he's talking about. So you know what I'm saying? So it's not a, not a wonder yeah. that, um, you know, that he would say something like that. That he's, that he's trying to protect him. Exactly. Right. But, but the ill thing about it is just, you know, they said that he had a, 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 a sexual addiction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Now, let's think about some of these people yeah, who had sexual wow. addictions. You know what I mean? We had uh, Kirk Franklin, who was stomping his son out mm -hmm. earlier this weekend. <laughs> well, let's <laughs> not make that. I know we want to make that connection. So, right, right, right. <laughs> where you was going with that? <laughs> I'm not right sure there. I want to make that connection. <laughs> let's rewind it. Oh, anyway. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he says that, uh, you know, that they had this very bad day. And that, um, you know, he was pretty much a victim himself. Yeah. You know, yeah. so he, here's, this, here's this white boy who claims that he has a sexual addiction. So he decides to go shoot shit up. Right. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, that's the wildest yeah. story. And it's the common thing of like white cats always try. I mean, the white police officers, the white authorities always try to make it so that there is some excuse besides white racism, white terrorism. supremacy, right. terrorism that's lead, that leads to these killings, these constant killings. And there's right. COVID. I think starts to sort of go down slightly and things are starting to open back up. You know, what has been missing in America is mass, mass shootings. shootings. And right. now those things seem to be back on the horizon. We're like, you know, we want to give uh, this, you know, our, our sympathies to the Asian community, Absolutely. to organizers and activists yeah. who are working to bring uh, more attention to violence that's happening in Asian communities because this is obviously some like crazy white boy shit that's starting to come back up now. Right, but I, I wanna I wanna point something out too when we talk about the Asian community. I've been seeing a lot of brothers and sisters on social media, and the first thing I'm seeing Kat say is, uh, you know, um, where's the where's the Asian community when they killed such and such? Where was such and such when they killed? I mean, motherfucker, was you actually out there looking for the Asian community? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. say, yo, yeah. is the Asian community saying anything about this one or that one? You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And and I just want to say that for us, for those of us who organize. 
we organize with a lot of Asians that put in serious work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You understand what I'm saying? So part of the reason why a lot of you folks aren't seeing people from the Asian community out there protesting is because your ass ain't there to see them. Yeah, you ain't out there protesting. That's what you're exactly. you on the couch. Hey, hey, yo, so, speaking of uh, crazy white boys with sex, sexual uh, assaults and stuff like mm -hmm. that, who else we got to talk about? Cuomo or something like that? Oh, your man Cuomo. So Andy Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo, who I think, what is it, seven allegations now? Seven allegations. Seven allegations. What would you call it, server? What was he? Cuomo sexual allegations. Cuomo sexual? saying? So Cuomo, who is the governor of New York, uh -huh. who was apparently the liberal darling, uh, several months ago when he That's was right. challenging Trump mm -hmm. um, and he was coming out talking about, even though New York was the high point of COVID in the United States for a long time, he tried to take all his credit for trying to shut, uh, shut the COVID down, mm -hmm. got all this publicity. And then a story broke a little while ago about all these uh, deaths that happened in nursing uh, homes. In nursing homes. Right. And then right after that, we had all these accusations of sexual harassment and now Cuomo refuses to go. Right. Cuomo's right. like, I'm not going nowhere. Sound I'm familiar. Stay here. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. White boys claim the right to stay wherever the fuck they stole. Mm -hmm. You understand mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And that's what white America's done traditionally. So they're saying, look, that's what Trump said. That's what Cuomo said. Speaking of Cuomo, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Rewinding the tape. His father, a rotten piece of shit, Mario Cuomo. Mario. For those that know him, this is the same cat who, who, uh, who, who brought in 33 prisons that's right, that's right. Into, the city of, into the state of New York. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So when you talk about this, this, this little white boy, Andy Cuomo, and you're coming along talking about how good he was mm -hmm. and so on and so forth, the real him is coming out. That's right. You know yeah. what I mean? So I hope that he ends up in one of these prisons that is. Yeah. Uh, and when you talk about these, and these liberals who always try to claim the high road, they're involved in, in these sexual misconduct cases. That's right. not forget Biden, who got That's a pass, right. and now Cuomo's trying to get a pass. And like you said, like in their states, they're responsible for the prison industrial complex mm -hmm. just as much as these conservative politicians. So let's not try to differentiate them too much when we know they're doing the same damn thing. Now, switching topics a little bit, our last big topic of the day. So Tamir's Rice's mom yes. came out mm -hmm. um, after she saw Tamika Mallory on the, was it the Grammys, I think Gram it was, Gram right? Grammys, yeah. uh, She was giving a speech uh, with this artist. She's getting a sister soldier on. She's, she's getting a yeah. new sister soldier some shit. But yeah. then Tamir's Rice's mom put out, I think, on <laughs> Facebook, on social media, that she called Tamika Mallory a clout chaser. Uh -huh. And then started naming off uh, Sean King, Ben Crump, uh, uh, Patricia Cullors, and several other folks. Lee all Barrett. these, yeah. all Lee these star uh, organizers and activists right. who are getting fame and fortune, right, off of the backs of the family's uh, dead loved ones who were killed doing. Uh, doing uh, police interventions and murders and so forth and so on. So, right. um, so I, this I was is going crazy. This, yeah. I was checking out an interview last night when she was talking about, you know, her and uh, uh, Richard uh, Richard's mother, the brother out of uh, uh, L.A. who was shot 30-something times. Mm -hmm. um, I, and I, I was listening to them talking about how folks are coming at them because of the fact that they're speaking out against, you know, uh, Tamika Mallory and... And Sean King and all that. Matter of fact, Sean King, punk ass, who I like to go on record saying I like to bust him in his goddamn mouth. Uh -oh. but that's on another show. Oh, there's show, a man. battle. There's a yeah, battle. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, a yeah, battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you ain't as light as Kamile now. What? But anyway, <laughs> yeah. So, so one one thing about that rap bastard, he got his monkey ass up talking about um, how Tamika Mallory's a good sister. That's his sister, and you know, uh, basically kind of downplay mm -hmm. what what Tamir Rice's mom was saying. Right. Now listen. I'm pleased to hear Tamir, mother's, Tamir, Tamir Rice's mother and so many mothers who come from the streets who can't, yeah, yeah, who may yeah. not articulate shit the way you would like them to, who may not speak the fucking Queen's English the way you would like them to, but they're speaking from their mm -hmm. heart. You understand what I'm saying? I'd be pissed the fuck off like any of you out there listening to this program if, if, if someone was parading around the fucking country mm -hmm. and, and living off the blood of your child. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? If you don't understand that shit, that's too fucking bad. Now, I do understand, and I, I, I respect Tamika Mallory for some of the things she's done, mm -hmm. but I recognize she comes out to Al Sharpton camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, that, that right there is part and parcel of the whole showmanship shit, mm -hmm. because that's how the fuck they get down. Yeah. 
And that's the anyway. whole thing that's happening these days. Yeah. Um, so before we, we uh, go some other, there's some, some deaths um, this, this past week. Yes. We have yes. Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Yeah. Marvelous Marvin Hagler, one of the, one of the most yeah. gangster boxers. But one of the greatest boxers. Yeah. Yeah. Back when boxing was, was on some was real shit. Was real shit, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Fought people real like Roberto Duran. Yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard. Tommy uh, Hearn. Tommy Hearn. Fucked up. Alexis Arguello. Yep, yeah. Um, you know, Richard, uh. Richard Pryor. Not Richard Pryor. Aaron Pryor, who? Aaron Pryor. Aaron Pryor, right, right. And, and big up to uh, one of your favorite actors, Kalanji. Yes, my man, oh. man, Yafit Kodo. Yes. You know what I mean? Y'all try to front on Yafit Kodo. We love Yafit Kodo. Yafit Kodo was, 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 was black as midnight. That was my, that was my dude. That was your dude? That I like Yafit Kodo. Hey, yeah, hey, hey, yo, before we bring on our dope guests, yep. uh, we got to okay. give a shout out to our Patreons real quick, so let's do that. I knew it had to be something. You cut me off. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody got to. Oh, <laughs> I like yo, your shirt. Yo, big up to Wolf's Den. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. My Yacht Lives, yeah. and Michael Nugent. Okay. Thank y'all okay. for our latest patrons. No doubt. We want to make sure y'all you know, give uh, to support uh, Black Power Media. Uh, it's something that we need that support for. We need uh, resources so that we can um, extend our shows, bring, get new equipment, go travel to different uh, things that are happening around the world, actually, and, and, and cover and report it. That's Black right. Power Media. Black Power yeah. Media. You know and stay independent. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and listen. We're doing something special tonight only, okay? Mm -hmm. For those Patreons that give out $100 or more, if you sign up for $100 or more, you get a date with Minister Server or the Air Doctor. All Your right. choice. All right. All right. <laughs> or if it gets up to $250, both. But anyway, we'll All talk right. about that. Let's uh, talk about our great guests we got coming we up got tonight. Okay. Renegade Pimpin'. <laughs> <laughs> our guest Who's will our be guest? on yes. this day. We have Dr. Mm -hmm. Iele. Yes. Ichele. Oh. Okay. And I'm sure I'm, I probably butchered her last name, but when she come on, she'll, she'll correct it. You know and we also have uh, the reminders as our musical guest. All right. Yeah. It's going to be a real live show. We're going to get back to it. Renegade Culture, we'll be back. Yeah. Saturday Renegade Coach in the building. You know what I'm saying? We back on the air with our special guest, Ieli Ichella. Nope. I was close. Dr. Ieli Ichele. Ichele. Is that correct? That sounds good. Is that correct, sis? It was close. Oh, so, okay. Oh, oh damn. <laughs> we practiced, too. We, 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 we'll get it right when you on the morning show. So how about that? But anyway. Um, okay, it's, it's Ieli well, Ichele. Why, why don't we oh. do a little bit of bio for this sister to tell the folks who she is? No doubt. Dr. Ieli Ichele. Ichele. <laughs> teaches history in the Department of Social Sciences at Prince George's Community College, uh, where she also serves as director of the African American Studies Institute. That's right. She has a PhD. Doctor. Not like a doctor. Nope. It's not a player haters degree. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> she has a PhD in the history of the African diaspora from Howard University and a master's in the African American oh. Studies from Columbia University. Mm -hmm. And her most important education, however, took place in a mother's home. Oh, all right, all right. So don't play with mama. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I also have some prestigious degrees too, but I, you know, I won't, I won't go down my list. <laughs> okay, you know? don't even I, give it to her. Like I went to, yeah, I, was, I went to Brooklyn College. You okay. Know, I'm just saying. Okay. You know? but, so let's know. give it up to the good doctor, y'all. Good doctor. Yeah, uh, that's right. So anyway. we wanted to, to start off, um, you know, we're coming to the end of uh, Black Women's, uh, I mean, um, Women's History Month, I guess. And part of what we wanted to talk about is and you laughed at this earlier when we talked about it in an intro, was the role of black women in the freedom struggle. Um, and so I wanted, to, I wanted to start off with that because I wanted to understand why you, why you gave a little chuckle, right, and talk a little bit about what your studies have uh, shown or produced in terms of the role of the black woman in the freedom struggle. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me first and foremost. I want to say that you all are, like, hilarious. I'm really enjoying just watching <laughs> y'all do your thing live. Um, okay. And uh, the creative approaches to revenue for the revolution that I heard earlier. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, we got that from Sean King. <laughs> another R word roles. Um, I was I was chuckling when you mentioned that because it does say that in my bio that I study the roles of African women in, in liberation movements. But I think nowadays the word roles feels more limiting. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I feel like sometimes when that word is used in relationship to women, it's like, what's a woman's pl place? What's a woman's place in the movement so we can like sit her aside somewhere mm -hmm. um, outside of the core? Um, and again, that could just be me inferring it, but I think that's kind of how it tends to be framed when people invite me to talk about roles, which again, it's very limiting. It's like, there's a thing that women do and then there's, that means there's a whole bunch of other stuff women can't or don't or shouldn't do. So I think sometimes it gets it can get a yeah. little dicey. That was all the chuckle yeah. was about. And it sounds but like it, like I'm it, sure that's not what you all are. are oh no you know, no no! About, so. Not a renegade culture. <laughs> no, we're good. No sir, we we are card carrier members of the African Me Too movement. You know what I mean? So <laughs> okay. don't even trip. We with you. But anyway, it's good to have you on for sure. We've been following your work for quite a while. Um, excuse us for jacking your name up. You know what I mean? It's okay. Over here on the East Coast, which you're on the East Coast as well, it is now uh, 8 o'clock, and it's our bedtime. So, you know, we we good. So that's what we're going to say to get away with that. Anyway, um, we know that you have a number of different things that you've been pushing. Um, one of the things that uh, I've, been, I've been hearing about for at least a few years was the whole piece around maternity. Okay, so um, I would like, uh, I, I was digging the concept as far as what I was hearing, so I wanted to uh, share it with the Renegade Culture audience. And um, you know, I, I wanna know what that is and how it relates to African liberation. Awesome. Well, I, I can't take credit for creating the concept, but it is something that I've, I've taken from other African women scholars and tried to expand it and apply it to specifically liberation struggles. Um, Modernity really began with scholars like Diane Jakite and Oyeronke Oyewumi and Florida Edway S. Kaplan and all these others that people, you know, don't always read because they're not reading in, you know, theology and anthropology and, you know, all, and, and all these other um, kind of subfields within Africana studies. But I really wanted to take this question of the mothering relationship um, um, they're looking at it first as a means of sustainable living. Like, how do we sustain Black communities with this mother-child relationship and that mother-child ethic, even outside of just who birthed you, right? Like, that is like a very literal expression. But the mothering relationship, they're saying that all African people need mothering and that mothering is an ethic, like it's an ethic and it's a praxis that actually guides our movements if our movements and our lives and our communities are supposed to be sustainable. And so I thought that was really important because I, you know, I was, you know, doing my own organizing and, and activist work and, you know, I was in grad school doing all these things and I just kind of kept coming to this place of like meeting all these really kind of um, rogue individuals that kind of had real crumbly personal lives, but they were trying to build movements, but like couldn't get their houses in order. Mm -hmm. And I think that really limited their ability to be strong and balanced in, in, in their approach to the struggles, to stay in it in some ways, you know? Um, they were struggling with housing insecurity and their marriages and child rearing and all these other things. And I, and I so I said, okay, this, this concept, this way of relating to each other, um, this set of practices and approaches, I think that can be useful. And I definitely know that all the, the liberation movements that I've studied and I, you know, my area of focus was slavery. Like I saw that being applied in the, in the things that work like Haiti, the Haitian revolution, it worked. Right. So, you know, I, and I said, one of the things that I think helped it work was that they had a certain ethic and there were certain relationships that were built to like undergird that movement and hold it together. And I think we missed that part because we're all worried about like what kind of machetes they had. You know what I mean? We skip over like <laughs> the, the, like the deep stuff that was going on. And I think that's what I wanted to, to figure out more about. And when you, so when you think about it, how is it applied in a sort of in a positive way that's moved freedom movements forward, right? Uh, Cause I agree with you. I was going to say quickly when you said that, I, you know, organizing activists for like 30 years and sometimes you feel like organizers are some of the most broken people that you can meet because it's, you know, folks are struggling around larger issues of white supremacy and racism and police brutality and all that kind of stuff. And then sometimes those very same people, like you said, seem to be struggling in their own lives on basic issues and stuff like that. So how do you see mm -hmm. 
uh, not just as a concept, but when it's applied properly or when you've seen it and you see and it's, and it's brought about sort of successful, played a role in bringing about sort of successful revolutionary or radical movements, how, do you, how, do you, how does that work? Well, I think you all actually gave a pretty good example in your introductory piece, which is um, this news of, um, that came through about Tamir Rice's mother and her critique of um, Tamika Mallory and Sean King and, you know, Ben Crump and the rest. Like, that to me is modernity in action. There is, um, there is a, a call from the mothers of the slain people to have a certain level of accountability um, that to the communities directly affected. Like, I think that's really important. The, she's calling for meeting the immediate needs of the people, like before you get to all the showbiz politics, did you help me bury my son? Did you help me stay housed? Did you help me feed and the rest of my children who are still living? Like you're pocketing this money before addressing the, like the basic immediate needs. And again, going back to the basic human needs of people in a struggle. And the fact that they that that those needs were not addressed, like to call that out, I think is modernity. To handle it properly is modernity. Um, for instance, the Black Panther Party for Self Defense having the the free breakfast program. I think I said this elsewhere. That's an example of modernity. Like these children, yes, we want them to have fair and equitable and culturally um, responsive education, but they gotta eat breakfast and be prepared <laughs> to learn and not be struggling with hunger while they're sitting in these classrooms. Like we have to put things in a proper order. Like there's an order about like a mother and child, right? And if African people can treat each other the, with the ethics that a mother would you know, treat her children, so to speak, there are things that we must, we will consider. There are, there are blind spots that we can address. We make sure that the children and the elderly and the, the infirm are accounted for in our movements and that they're not marginalized or forgotten about it kind of just gives you a new set of lenses. And I think it helps shift your priorities so that you really have a comprehensive and sustainable struggle, you know, beyond just the moment. Your, your dissertation was uh, Black Magic Woman towards a, towards a theory of Africana. Women's resistance, yeah. Women's resistance, okay. Um, talk about that a little bit. Tell, tell us what that was about. Because I think that um, it, it's important when you talk about revolution you know, to address certain issues and topics. Sure. So it's um, definitely less about the current moment. Um, my, my dissertation focuses on the, the era of American chattel slavery. And I say America broadly, like the Americas. I was trying to basically, you know, I started studying slave revolts, like so-called slave revolts. And I was um, reading about all these dudes and all the stuff that they did, which was awesome. Um, I was reading about maroon societies. I was looking at all the different ways this looked, not just the battlegrounds, but really like all, all kinds of other ways to resist in an organized fashion. And I was like, I know women were there. I know, like, I'm, cause I, cause I started by looking at records of like hangings and burnings and all kinds of other executions and court records from these colonial courts in the 1700s and 1800s. And I, they were always killing women right next to the men, right next to their husbands. I was like, okay, they're killing them for some reason. Right, they must have done something um, that they, that was a threat. So, like, what is it? Like, and I know from studying contemporary movements. I mean, I'm in the movement, right? And I didn't just appear out of nowhere. And there's a tradition that precedes me where I felt like this was a part of something that I should be and could do. So, who set the path for me? Who created that? So, um, I just started digging a little further, and I realized so much about women in the struggle and the things that women did. Um, in, in slavery era revolution um, wasn't being talked about, like poisoning, for instance. We don't, we, we kind of, it's like anecdotal stuff. We kind of just yeah. guess at it. But no, there was a very important tradition of herbal knowledge that led to poisoning in places like Haiti that in some ways was more effective than taking out a rifle and shooting someone. Um, the women were the ones cooking the food. The women were the ones caring for the children. The women were the ones caring for their bodies and washing them and brushing their hair. So we had access to their bodies in a certain way, forcibly. Um, and that played a very important role in getting information, developing strategy, and actually taking them out. And I think that's really what I wanted to find out. So the, as I studied this, the liberatory repertoire, that's what I'd be calling it it just got bigger and bigger. All these strategies came into view that really aren't talked about very commonly. 
we're just talking about like military formations of dudes and and women were in some of those too which is you know so then i was like okay if these women are doing all these things and they were doing them excellently and effectively how did they get that knowledge did they just learn it on the fly make it up like so african martial traditions and african warfare traditions and African cultural institutions that include women's leadership. I started studying those to try to understand if there were patterns of women doing those same things once they got brought over here. And, it, and I saw patterns, um, very true patterns that you could see all over the Americas. Women from the same place in Africa, like whether they got dropped off in New York or Barbados or Antigua or Jamaica, like they were doing, they were organizing people those in the same ways. So um, I knew that there was a cultural basis for this too. So when we come back, um, we know that you're heavy into African spirituality. So um, one of the things that uh, I think that'd be good for us to discuss would be the role of African spirituality uh, in our liberation. You know, so we'll be right back at you. On renegade culture. You know what it is. But I like to think of the best kind of leadership as emerging you know, from um, social movements uh, as, a, as, 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 as reflecting collective ideas and collective aspirations. Renegade culture. Yo, we in the building, man. Come on, you all right? I'm doing good, my man. You see my T-shirt? Okay. Ronald Reagan sold crack. Ronald you know Reagan sold crack. He smoked crack. He That's manufactured right. crack. He was crack. Shout out to Rob Love from Gorilla Republic. Rob you know Love. what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Uh, hey, shout Republic. out to that iron that never touched that shirt. Oh! oh! Man, sick. God, man, man said his iron wasn't smoking. I like your gums. That's all I can see over it's there like is gums. gums There's a lot of gums over there. A lot of gums. Nigga changed his name to Trident. The gum doctor. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Gums so we back with our, our doctor. I'm not even going to try the name. Say your name. Yelly Ichile. Ichile. See, see, I, I, see I, I, if I say it like I'm sneezing, I do it good. Ichile. Wow. That's good. I like yeah. that. I like that. That was good. That was good. That's good. Like, okay. Yeah. So I wanted to get it. back to the idea of maternity because it was when you was talking, there's something that struck me because it seems like you're laying the basis, obviously, for um, African women, black womanhood um, it, as, as sort of not only just the foundation, but even the basis of like revolutionary and radical movements in some ways. But you also are saying like it's the very sort of mothering aspects um, that we need to appreciate and understand more about how that helps us become full human beings. And I find like even as we today we talk about you know black women leading and, and black women in roles, <clears throat> but it also sounds like there's a little bit of like that. It, it seems like that kind of the conversation you're having is not as popular to talk about as opposed to talking more about um, uh, or making sure we talk about women. Uh, in sort of leading military roles or speaking roles or that kind of thing. Do you, mm -hmm. do you see any sort of, um, or do you run up against any sort of contradictions or, or conversations about how that interplays or whether or not people are saying mm -hmm. that you are taking us back to a past or whatever? Do you understand? Right, yes, yeah. I do. Um, I, I, I think this is a great question. Um, I think women should be able to do whatever they're capable of doing and, and fit into the movements in whatever way you know, we really just have to approach this from a strengths-based perspective. So I would never put limitations on it like that. But I do want to say that um, we fall into another limiting trap by saying women must have power that looks the same as all of the ways that men are powerful. Like um, we shouldn't always be trying to fight to hold space in traditionally men's um, realms without also exploring what we can contribute from realms that are traditionally feminine. And I think that there's there's something okay with embracing that too and exploring and examining what we can pull from there as well. And that's why I think having compassion and nurturing and care and all and 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 um just under you know basic survival and things like that that be a part of our movement spirituality being a part of our movements and brought into the center means that more women will participate. There's just more space for us and for our strengths to come through. So again, it's not to say that, you know, women can't be on the battlefield doing that because there's a lot of that too, mm -hmm. um, or leading or speaking, or of course not. It's just that um, there are some other, some other ways that women have, um, have contributed that are undervalued because we're focused only on those narrow, that narrow repertoire. So I just want to expand the repertoire. Yeah. I, I want to say that, um, you know, it's refreshing to see, um, you know, to see us talk about warriorhood, period. You know what I mean? Uh, male, woman, whatever, you know, because I think that um, 
these days, everything is, is, is how good is my speech? You understand mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Right. How fly do I look on, on Instagram for these few seconds? What, what kind right. of deep shit can I say? You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and at the end of the day, right. out here commodifying death. And, yeah, and, yeah. You know, editions remain the you same. You know, showbiz right. politics, as, as they say. Oh man, yo, listen, it, it, it's see, we like the outcasts. I guess that's why she's gonna be on Black Power Media. True that. True, because true. you you're a true outcast as well, <laughs> unlike uh, backup singers over there to cast out. But anyway, um, it is definitely refreshing because of the fact that uh, you know we don't we don't have these kind of talks at least publicly. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So you get folks online talking about, uh, oh, there ain't no women in the struggle. There ain't no women in the movement. And I'm like, maybe your ass ain't in the movement. You know what I'm saying? Right. How about we start with that? But I wanna, <laughs> I wanna um, jump on African spirituality. I know with, uh, with our organization, we have a number of different Yoruba priests, um, men and women, you know what I mean? Um, uh, uh, we have uh, an Ile um, with the African Martial Arts Institute, a Belgoon. So, you know, it's, it's very important with what we're doing as far as structure and so on and so forth. So I want to know, coming from, from your perspective, um, how important is the role of African spirituality when you talk about our liberation? It's, it's, it's really everything. And again, studying African cultural institutions, you know, because obviously um, we didn't get mind wiped when we came here. We had these understandings, this intangible heritage and these worldviews with us. And we just reproduced that when we got here. And I think studying those things taught me African people really ain't gonna follow you unless they believe it in, in somewhere deep. You know what I mean? Like intellectualizing it is, is that's one level, but people are not gonna put bodies on the line unless there's some sort of green light from some other place. And I think that um, obviously there's space for non-believers and atheists within our movement, you know, that's real. Um, but I think traditionally, you know, there's there's um, definitely the almost maybe the need to believe that if we're putting our physical selves on the line and that that can end, that something will continue. And so our spiritual practitioners and our spiritual leaders have been instrumental in these movements. Um, and unfortunately, it leads us today to like some raggedy Al Sharptons and other people who claim to have a connection to God or some sort of, in, you know, religious institution being our leaders. But there's a reason for that. Like, and there, so there is a cultural precedent for that. Um, so my, my own intervention, my own research really focuses on um, looking at spiritual warfare, how we fight in realms that our oppressors can't necessarily access or don't acknowledge as real. Um, and for those who do believe and those who have those skills, I think one of my major criticisms of um, traditional African or African-based tradition, you know, belief systems like hoodoo and voodoo and, and you know, like you said, Isheshe, like the Orisha tradition, is that people tend to want to depoliticize it. It's almost like spiritual escapism. They go into these religions so they don't have to deal with politics. So they can just like wear really colorful clothes and, and pray a lot. But it's no different from Christian escapism. Like, you know, like, well, God will handle it or it's the devil doing it. It's not white supremacy or, you know, racial capitalism, you know? And so I think we need to get back to an understanding of our traditions as tools in our liberation. You know, are we chanting down Babylon? Are we really praying against what we what we want? Yeah, we're praying for what we want. Are we praying against what we want? Are we praying for protection? Are we praying in the name of defense? Are we doing rituals to um, enable ourselves to take take you know take certain violent measures if necessary to defend our communities? Like that's the that's the thing. Like our ancestors used it for everything. Like they used spirituality to guide everything and again in our most successful movements it was there and many of our practitioners were women many of our practitioners were, were uh, people tied to the earth in a certain way and um i think now we're starting to have those conversations in certain spiritual spaces certainly studying martial arts and the connection between martial arts and the spirit but i think um much more work is needed so i'm really trying to push the political folks and the spiritual folks to stay stay here you know because i think it's it's never been as divided <laughs> as it was. Like now you can be a cultural nationalist and be an African religion, or you can be a revolutionary nationalist and you don't believe in God and you really just focus on socialism. And I think I never saw myself having to make a choice. And, and I don't think our ancestors felt like they had to make a choice. Um, 
just how do we survive and how do we use every single tool at our disposal, visible and invisible to fight this shit? That's, that's really, <laughs> I don't know if I answered your question. No, nah, that, that's ill because um, one of the things we always say that, you know, it's gonna take mental, physical and spiritual. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and, and these folks, you know, they, they wanna be either or. You understand what I'm mm -hmm. saying? It's like either you're too yeah. religious, you understand mm -hmm. what I'm saying, and dogmatic, or you too, you know, uh, I, I'm the, the best scholar in the world and I'm just, you know, I know everything because I studied in these fine white men institutions mm -hmm. on how to be a great African. Or you too, you have too much fucking brute force. You understand what right. I'm saying? You're too physical and you, you can't beat white supremacy just with, with your hands. You can't beat that shit with just by praying. You can't beat it just by uh, trying to think your way out of this shit. It's gonna mm -hmm. be a combination because that's what the body is. You know, right. um, moving along, black culture matters, black culture mm -hmm. matter, matters. Yeah. Um, what is black culture matter? Black culture, black cultural matters. Mm -hmm. And um, what's the difference between black culture matters and black lives matter? Well, Black Lives Matter, I don't know a lot about Black Lives Matter because I'm not, I mean, I'm not a part of it. I, I, um, I, I, I kind of, I am in support of, and I really kind of align myself with the strong critiques of Black Lives Matter. But I think my main critique is really that I just don't believe in trying to like spend energy trying to convince our oppressors that our lives have value. So like the young like, folks. I don't, I, I don't, I don't see the value in doing that. I see value in our culture though. I see value in our culture to keep us sane, keep us organized, um, keep us motivated. Um, I see value in Badenya, the, the, the relationship between a mother and her children, another way of saying modernity. I, I, ha I believe um, there's value in sisters coming together and saying, okay, we, we about to go out here and we're gonna organize and have this rally. Um, who gonna watch the babies? <laughs> you know what I mean? Culture does that. Culture handles those problems and helps us be a resource to each other. So I, I instead of kind of trying to like shout down our, you know, our humanity to somebody, looking at the ways in which culture is our hum humanity. This is where we locate it. This is how we express it. Um, this is how we re remind ourselves, you know, of that it exists, that it's real for us. So that's, that's why I, I guess I'd rather call my, my, my stuff, black culture matters and black lives matter. You see also matter. to talk about something, you, you um, uh, sort of be locate someplace where organizing institutions uh, and within the black community is either much more important and or at the very least just as important as some of these policy fights that people sort of dictate yeah. at a federal level. And I, I mean, I completely agree with you. It's like, it feels like organizers have sort of lost the idea of actually organizing amongst black people as opposed yeah. to being spokesfolks for black people while they talk to elected officials or they try to get some yeah. policy passed, right? Or the media. Yeah, and there's, yeah. I mean, and you know, obviously I've done some of that too. Yeah. Um, um, I, I think this is gonna have to be a multifaceted fight. But again, I, I'm not interested in trying to declare my humanity to someone who has dehumanized me and continues to do so. And I, and I, so I, I agree. I think it really is about who are you speaking to? <laughs> Who's your audience? Are you always trying to sit at this table um, with the fat cats and the, and the big wigs or are you really trying to sit with your people? Because I think the longer you try to spend talking to the, the big wigs and the, pow the powers that be, um, you're missing where your power, your power is located and where it springs from, right? You're not building with your folks. Um, and so you're essentially giving your power away because it's draining, right? Like everybody who works in that way and is always speaking out to power, they're drained. It's a constant narrative. But when we spend time with each other and we build with each other, yes, it can be complicated. And that's why modernity helps us to deal with them issues that make it complicated. Even conflict resolution is a, part, is a part of that. But in some ways it's life affirming. I get energized when I talk to folks like you, you know what I mean? I was tired, it's late. Like you said, it's past my bedtime, you know what I mean? But it's energizing. It's so different from me testifying before the Maryland State Senate saying, please give us multicultural education. It's really important. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. You know, it's, 
it's not to say that that's not coming from a noble place, but having to speak out like that is just, um, I really, I support it. I, I, again, I support all the battlefronts, but I think it's just, yeah, not the same. If we, if you were, if you had some words for the new school, you know what I mean? The, uh, the, the, the latest fighters on the front, I, I can't. The youngins. Yeah, the youngins. <laughs> so, some, some on the battlefield and some on the, uh, on the, 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 the internet field. What would, uh, what would, what would those words be? What would be your advice to, to some of the new, new cats coming up? Um, it's interesting. I feel like the younger folks are almost like existing on two ends of a weird spectrum related to compassion. Um, I feel like there's a group of young folks that is like super lovey-dovey and, and they, they use very therapeutic language and stuff. And, and there's a lot of talking and pontificating and woo-woo-wooing. And then I, and I feel like there's another group of young folks that is just super angry. And I definitely relate to them. I was definitely there, you know what I'm saying, when I was that age. Um, they, don't, they don't F with nothing and nobody and nobody's good enough. Nobody's revolutionary enough. They ain't read enough books. You know what I mean? Get out my face if you ain't read, you know? And I feel like I want the young folks to find some balance, right? Uh, uh, I would tell them a, a struggle without compassion is only gonna reproduce oppression and trauma. Um, and then I would tell the other folks that a struggle without action and a little bit of risk and, and a little bit of destruction um, is not, is, is, won't produce the results in the future that you love to imagine. And I think that that's, um, is balance. That's health. Health is balance. Right. And I think, um, that's why another reason why modernity is so important. Like we have our mothers and they hug us and love us up, you know, idealistically. Right. But a mother is also someone who will eliminate people and things and influences from your life when they are no longer serving a higher purpose for you. You know, like she's going to cut it, like <laughs> she's going to cut it, mm. block it. You know what I mean? So a mother has fangs. She's a strategist. She's going to make sure that you're not doing the wrong thing. She's going to check you when you get off, off base. And I think that that's balance. It's balance, right? We have to be able to be both compassionate, creative, but also destructive and really disciplined. So I guess I would try to, I would say that to the young folks, find your balance, check yourself, figure out where, and, and communicate with your elders, communicate with other people who've been before you and don't like throw that out and discount it because you've got some nuanced ideas, chances are it ain't new, <laughs> and see where, where they can guide you toward balance. So Dr. Itchelli, it's been a pleasure having you on. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell us where, if folks wanted to find out more about you or you follow your work, um, if you have anything coming up that you wanna let us know about, can you tell us uh, what's the best place to find that stuff at? Um, I don't have anything coming up except trying to write this book about modernity finally. Um, stop running my mouth and actually put some words on a page and um, get back out there in these streets. Hold um, on, hold on, hold on. What you, what you mean you ain't got nothing else coming up? There, uh -oh. there, there's a morning show coming up called There's Remix. a morning show coming up. I mean me myself personally. I consider myself uh, okay, a part of the collective okay. with the right. Black Power Media Group and I'm very proud and honored to join you all in that. Um, but yeah, if it's just me personally, no, nothing. No, nothing super significant really except that that's really i'm trying to like focus whatever energy i have um into that and you know just making a contribution um so that's what i have coming up um my instagram is my first and last name all one word um i'm on twitter at dr ichile d-r-i-c-h-i-l-e and i'm on the facebook's <laughs> just my name and facebook. i'm not i'm not tough to find i'm the only one here in this country with this name we Thank appreciate you so much. it. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to rocking with you again. Thank you. This was great. This no is doubt. so wonderful. Thank you for having me. We All appreciate right. you coming on. So we want to thank you for coming on so much. Um, this is Renegade Coach. We'll be back with our third segment. We're going to have on the reminders. Boom. Blackout. We were brought to this country and got on the high grease, high starch diet that we on. It created problems, which was once a protection. And so the millions of dollars we fixing to spend to counteract sickle cell if we would spend a little time doing some research and change the diet because most black folks knew that soul food was taking 30 to 40 years off of their life and almost charging them a third of their salary for doctors and what have you. A lot of sicknesses we die from, we wouldn't. And I think the important structure of the black man's health, be it sickle cell or anything else, lies basically with the diet because you are what you eat. Ready or not, 
Here I come. You, you can't, can't hide. hide. We're going to find you and make you want me. You're the game coach. Okay. Right, come on, man. You see, know you want it. See what happened oh. with, with, with two niggas from Jersey get on the mic. Oh, oh, oh. They think they Lauren Hill. That's the only rapper that mattered out of Jersey. Jersey. You know Yo, what I'm saying? I'm wide club. That's prize. I said I'm wide club. That's prize. Oh, what did you say? What you say? I, th I thought y'all were under new management. I didn't know what that intro was. Man, <laughs> listen. I found love on the new. Lauren anyway, Spill, yo. Lauren, Lauren Grill. This next, this next group right here for real. But a real we got a real music guest on. No doubt. And they actually toured with the real Lauren Hill. She didn't sound like this right here, did she? Right. <laughs> nah, not at all. In fact, they embarrassed. They like, yo, Kalanji, cut that shit out. Oh. We ain't gonna be, able to, we ain't gonna be able to give the give the, re the release rights for this. But anyway, this next group right here, we call them the Desperados from Colorado. Oh. I knew I was gonna say that. You know what I'm saying? Straight yeah. out of out of uh, the place where 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 no man has gone before. All right. You know what I'm saying? This this, this brother and sister right here, they uh, I was gonna say like family, but they family. You know what I mean? I don't, and just like true family. True. You see them once every 20 years. God damn. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> then they eat all your cookies out of Eat all your goddamn cookies. <laughs> all your Skittles. And Sleep on gone. your couch. You know what, you know what I mean? Hey, Invite right? you to a show and put you all the way in the back. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it's my people's the reminders right here, man. Reminders. What's going on? How y'all doing? Yeah, man. great. We're doing great, man. We can't complain, man. We staying creative and, you know, we keeping the spirits high. No doubt, no doubt. We got Big Samir and Aja Black in the building. Man, yep. man, I, I mean, I ain't seen y'all so long. Y'all got different hairstyles. Last time I saw him, I think. I, I, mine is, is for sure. Samir's still rocking with, you know, the classic. Yeah, it's, it's bald okay. under the cap, you know the vibe. Okay. <laughs> bald heads. No doubt, no doubt. Are y'all in the so States the right now or what? My locks were a bit a uh, casualty of the quarantine, unfortunately. Word. Okay, okay. Sometimes, you know, I felt like there was so much space inside that for newness and like reconciling parts of yourself and, and trying things and experimenting and moving. You know, there's a ton of space to do whatever you wanted. So I, I had, there's a comment that somebody had made to me that I wouldn't be me. Uh, I had talked about maybe shaving my head because my daughters shaved their heads, right. you know, just as affirmation of their, their not non-Eurocentric standards of beauty. Um, I was thinking about doing it and this woman made a comment to me and she said, but you're not you without your hair. Like you wouldn't be pretty without your locks. Oh. And I was like, same day. I was like, all right. Like, uh, <laughs> I become a caricature of myself. Word. You know what I mean? To other people, it means that I lose my ability to transform and change and grow mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm allowing myself to become a victim of their attitudes towards me or the way that they see me and, and I don't think that my beauty is related to whatever hairstyle I'm wearing at that point. Now you guys have said you under you you obviously everybody's been under quarantine but during this time have you felt like it's enhanced or changed the way you've been creative in terms of artists has it made you produce more work just having more time on your hands or yeah totally yeah yeah, yeah. Us, I think for me it reminded me because we had gotten so such industry fatigue that it reminded me of why it is that I make music and what it is that I loved about it and the relationship to, of music to myself, not always thinking of it from the, you know, the outside in as how it influences other people affects or what benefits you gain from it, but looking at it from the inside out and using my words and my music to, to leave a legacy for my great grandchildren to know who I am and what I stood for and what I was about. You know, and we don't always get control of our narratives, especially as black people in America. And I think I use my music to, to as a record of my existence, as proof of my existence and proof of my thinking and my feelings and my expressions for, for people, you know, in my lineage to have a record of, 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 of how many how many of us have records of our great grandparents' achievements or their thoughts or their voices or their opinions or their struggles or their activism or you know what I mean? We have so many unsung heroes in our families just because nobody documented them properly. And specifically during this time too, being able to take risk and try new things and not having to share it right away. We don't have to go on tour immediately afterwards. Like we could sit with this stuff, we could try something else if it don't work. And then, you know, just really sit with it and really grow within that space. And there was all these new rules of engagement because like all the etiquette, the past etiquette during the quarantine was gone. It was eliminated, it was restricted, it was changed. So we got a chance to 
like transform the way that we we had contact with people and the types of relationships and energy exchanges that we had with people. And we were really intentional about that. I mean, there's people that haven't heard from us since the quarantine started, no matter how many times they reached out because we didn't feel that sense of obligation anymore. Like for, for once in our career, we were able to put our family first, our priorities first, our spiritual growth first, our relationship first, our psychological understanding of the importance of narrative and metaphor and music. We put all that stuff first and nothing mattered but that. I, w- I wanna say, and, and you know, for the listeners, you know, the reminders, you know, not only, you know, are they one of my favorite groups as far as artists, they're, they're some of my favorite people, you know what I mean? Because whenever I see them, whenever we see each other, it's the same shit. Like, like we, 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 we never left the presence. Keep it 100. No doubt. It's, right. nev- it's never, you know, I'm touring with such and such now, so I don't have time for you, angry Negroes. Nah, you, know you, still, you still yeah. on that same and, list? And, you know, with whoever you're trying to bring Even if you're it. in the back. Huh? <laughs> but, like, but, like, but like we told you, you are a part of our real life. All that other life is not our real life. That's just the exception to our, the exceptional things we get to participate in. But our regular and our real life, you front and center in that thing. You know, Amen. so no matter what tours we go on to or who we encounter, you know, that's just like being away at college and then coming home. You know what I mean? No doubt, no doubt. Yeah. And, and for those who don't know, the new album is called what? So the latest album we put out is called Unstoppable, but we've been releasing singles during this time. So we've what? released a single called 10K. We put a video off for it. We got one called Lumumba. You know, I had to big it up. I'm from Congo, so I got yeah. I got to big it up to Lumumba. The video is dope. Thank you so much. So yeah, we've just been putting out singles in this time, man. So Lumumba, 10K, make sure y'all check that out. No doubt. And, I, and I'm, I'm gonna do a, a shameless self plug. Oh. Their first album. Here we go. Born yeah. Champions. Yeah. Here we go. Born Champions. Yeah. Who did the intro? Oh my god. That's right. Oh 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 oh. They be hating on me every time somebody come we're on. Gonna here. need another. We're gonna need another. Anytime something. somebody comes on, oh. that he knows. <laughs> <laughs> he lets them know right away. Immediately. Like, on, you know, I did this with them and I did that with them. Rapper, I know, frustrated rapper. You know what I'm saying? That's what he is. Rapper. We're going to need another thing like that. But the dope thing about Kalanji and Menace the Server is like, we've been down with y'all since been down when we were just super young in our understanding of how to navigate the industry and be activists and, and, and be change makers in our community at the same time. And I think, you know, when you're an artist, seeing an artist is like, watching a warrior be a healer or watch a healer being being a warrior. No doubt. You know what I mean? Like you're occupying such this interesting, beautiful space of transition. And there was one time, you know, in the midst of a lot of things going on in the world where I was feeling really like I wasn't contributing enough and I wasn't lending my voice enough or my body enough to, to really do things that I felt were going to create some type of change. And I remember talking to Kalanji and I was like, you know, I don't fuck. We're doing it. And Kalanji said, "You're doing exactly what it is you're supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. right? Like we're standing out here on the front lines. Y'all make the music for us to march to." Yeah, you know I mean, and that really, that really stuck with me. And I've always, you know, there was an argument between Amiri Baraka and Gwendolyn Brooks as to what your responsibility is as a musician and a poet, and it's fractured the Black arts community because some Black people were saying, "I have a right to be an individual." Right. And then there was another side of the black community said a, a, an individual with a social responsibility because of the climate of, of the world at the time. And I've kind of tried to navigate both of those spaces as well. And I think that's the complex contradiction for every artist is when to talk about your individuality and when to talk about, about your role in collectivism and illustrating and narrating what's really going on externally and then also narrating what's going on internally. You know, a lot of people now are talking about mental health struggles at the same time that there's an explosion of community engagement. It's not even so much activism, but people feel like they want to be involved in something, Mm -hmm. which is more engagement than activism, you know, because engagement can just be posting something on social media and not doing a damn action, a single damn action. You know what I mean? But now that people are so involved in engagement, seeing that, you know, it's important for you to talk about what you're dealing with individually and that you know we use metaphor a lot as MCs the importance of metaphor and poetry and being an MC and in music is metaphor is using your external environment to create your to to explain your internal condition you know and that's what we do as MCs we we use our external environment to give you something tangible to say see the shattered broken bottle on this dirty street that's what i feel like on the inside 
Word. You know what I mean? And I think that's one reason hip hop is such a powerful tool because of how how it connects spirit and emotion with our environment. Minister Serve had a quick question. Yeah, yo, uh, yo, big up uh, family out there. First and foremost, um, love y'all. You know, the, the one thing that I appreciate about y'all is that, you know, y'all are one of the rare couples in hip hop that are married and have been able to successfully navigate your personal lives, your uh, civic lives, and your musical lives together. What advice would you have for young couples that are coming up that are looking to be a part of the industry and, and are married? I, I call you all the ask for the Simpson of hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Because y'all so seamlessly, you know, y'all so seamlessly make it work. So what advice would you give to young couples that are, that young creatives that are in the industry that are coming up? What kind of advice would you give them as a couple? You know, from the, from the beginning of us, you know, we're, we're a couple first who happen to be musicians, who happen to share the same space and, and, and share art as well. So it was never a, a cliche, a gimmick. It was nothing for the camera. This is really our, our real life. People just happen to catch it on camera. And so we never wanted to put it up there like, yo, we're this, we're that. And also we're not gonna let people push us apart, right? So we just keep, we just keep our family first and we just keep being genuine with our love first and then with everything else that comes with that. Word. And another thing is, you know, being an artist, if your authenticity and your truth comes into question or your truth is being shaped by other people, one thing Miss Hill told me that was very important when we were on the road with her is that do not let people alienate you from the people that know who you really are. Mm -hmm. Because once that distance gets created, you have no idea the amount of things that will get in between. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like Samir is a constant reminder of not only who I was, but who I am and also what I'm capable of. You know what I mean? He never lets me forget myself, even when people are trying to gas me up. You know what I mean? He'll be the first one to be like, hold on now. You know what I mean? For They might think you're great in their minds, but for what you aspire to, they're not, you haven't even touched the surface. They're not even ready for what you, you want to be. You know what I mean? And they're already celebrating what you are. You know what I mean? And I think us constantly being that for each other, we, we accepted when we got together that this is what it was going to be. We didn't look for anything better, anybody better. Maybe Samir wasn't like, maybe I could find a better singer than you. Or maybe we said, you know what? We're going to do like people had to do in, in our in our lineage. And I choose you and you choose me. And that's just what it's going to be. Samir okay. right. so right. ain't no game, boy. Samir gangster. You already know the Tell me you learned from Samir. Don't well, play I mean, with how that. How about <laughs> when, when me and Samir first got together, we went to, he used to take me to shows. And, before I had been with him, I had only ever been to one concert in my life. It was a Whitney Houston concert when I was oh, young. Wow. He started taking me to all the shows, VIP access, and we went to a most dev show, and I'll never forget it. Samir had me there with all the brothers wearing camouflage, standing around me in a circle. I had at least three feet of room to watch the show on either side, because Samir had called the whole army of brothers <laughs> to make sure that I could enjoy my concert experience without being bothered by anybody. like, I got her now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, yo, before we uh, wrap up this segment, we got, a little, we got a little piece to be do called Naka's Bowl, right? Or Naka's Nonsense. Yeah. We have this expensive-looking bowl. Yeah, we got from Chinese shop. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. <laughs> and we have thousands of questions in here. Uh, I'm going to let my man Kalanji pull out one of these questions. He's going to read the question to you. When we come back from the break, uh, you guys are going to answer the question for well, us. Well, it's so many I got to choose from, y'all. Do that. True, true. Better than <laughs> drum roll, drum roll. Get that question. Pull that question out. You read that question out. Okay. This right here, I might have to feel my way through it because my man can't write. Oh. It's going to be a braille to it. <laughs> or somebody can't read, but we're not going to play. Whoa! Samir. You got to okay. start it. Hey. Samir. I, I never point told one you. Point one finger, three pointing back. You point one finger, three pointing back at you, brother. You oh, did that. Okay, I like her. Okay. I like her. Oh, oh, oh. Hey, hey, Samir, about that divorce. My man's an attorney. Oh, oh yeah, no. <laughs> hey, I just need to be quicker on this mute button. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I, I can't reach it. <laughs> All right, read that question off. Okay, this question right here. God damn. Who in the hell left the gate open? Um, <laughs> it said, who is one of your favorite rib duets? Uh, R&B. R&B. <laughs> God damn. damn. 
Who is one of your favorite R and B? It does say duets. You know I mean, I uh, blame Ronald Reagan. All right, anyway, yeah, do you mean like one of your favorite R and B groups? I don't know what the fuck it's saying. Duet, a guy who was singing. Duo. Duo. Anyway, we're gonna come right back on this break, Renegade culture. We all we gonna clean up this question and find out what the hell he really meant. Renegade, we'll be right back. Bam. So you might have some romance in one of these religions. I have no romance with any of them. I have a romance with reality and truth. And the chips can fall where they may after I tell it. Renegade culture. No doubt, Renegade culture's in the building. That's right, that's right. We here with the reminders. The reminders, in case y'all forgot, the reminders in the building. True. You know what I mean? My man Naka, you know what I'm saying, before we left, Mm. had me reach inside this, the the old bowl died, so we got this new fancy bowl right here. You know what I'm saying? Look like a, a wonton soup bowl. Right. But you know what I'm saying? We're going to rock with it anyway. Got paint coming off in here. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man. Ready? But the question he had was, uh, how many rib tips did you eat? But anyway, um, <laughs> that was his writing. The real question is, who, who are one of your favorite R&B duos? Who are some of your favorite R&B duos? Lay Nubian. Mm. Lay Nubian? Nice. OK, OK. Mm. Um, Jodeci. Jodeci? Oh, ah. That ain't no duo. What are you talking about? I come from Jodeci. He's like, look, my man asked the question. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. My man asked the question, and then y'all answered it. He don't even know how to count to two. He, he's like, he don't even no, know how to count to two. I thought you just changed it to group. <laughs> no, like, duo. duo. Two. Okay, if we, yeah, if we're saying duo, then I'll go with uh, uh, Marvin Gaye and Diana Ross. Okay, 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 okay. What song they did together? You mean Tammy? Yeah, it was like, Sammy it's, they got like, they have a whole album. They did? All right. Yeah. I, I, I'm wrong. Okay. Okay. I'm wrong. Okay. I'm backing off. I'm backing off. Hey, hey, tell me don't play with y'all. Y'all the reminders. True, true. Oh, they remind you. Who are you guys? He needed that reminder. So as huh? Go ahead. Who are your favorite R&B duo? Ashford and Simpson. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and yours? You got one? Where you, where you putting your head down? Who, me? Yeah, what's your favorite R&B duo? Uh, my favorite R&B duo, I'm going to go with the underdogs, and I'm going to say... Uh, Donnie and Marie. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Minister Server, don't quit your day job. <laughs> it's church closed. Anyway, uh, my favorite duo, I would say, uh, I would probably go with uh, Donnie Hathaway and Roberta Flack. Yeah, that's I mean, probably pull out, pull them out the cards, whatever. All right, now we come to the top. to think of groups or in threes than it is in twos. Say it again. It feels easier to think of groups in like a trio or like in four or more than it is with two. Yeah, I was gonna say Alexander O'Neill and Sherelle, but they somewhere high. But you know, it's all good. I rock with them still. Damn, no. You know what I'm saying? It's my peoples. True. So now we come to the time when. Yeah. Yes. Ask the reminders. The reminder is going to spit a little something you know for us. Now, I want y'all to know. Can we do like a, can we do like a, a like where we sing and we rhyme? Yeah. yeah. How much time do we have? We like got, four minutes? Nah, one minute. Nah, do, do your thing. We'll, we'll rock it out. Don't worry about it. Do okay, because we got, we got some roots stuff that we've been working with, too. Just All give right. us a All little right. something. Okay. Get it. All right. Dearly beloved, we got here today to lay to rest all the mess standing in our way. To bury all the ghosts, all the skeletons, the demons, all the weaknesses that keep us from receiving better things. Uh-huh. Sending intention to get more need less, make a way for the blessings, more freedom, less stress. Stop thinking about everyone else and underestimating yourself. And take all of your doubt, all your guilt and depression. All you're looking for validation and people in possession. Take all of your hurt uh-huh. and all of your fear. Come on. And bury all of that right here. Let's go now. Dust and bones. Dust and bones. Counting, holding on to you. Way too long. Getting up the ghost and moving on. Dust and bones. Dust and bones. Dust and bones. Dust and bones. I've been holding on to you for way too long. Getting up the ghost and moving on. Hey, quit stressing over thinking over working. Hey, clear your mind from anything that's toxic. Hey, time to face your fears, never revisit the bitterness, the anger, the grudges you hold on to. You gotta, gotta leave it all behind. Lock them in a pine box, bury the hatchet, get planted. Solid as a rock, you will grow like a tree when you let it all go and feel free. Get excited about your future, keep on digging deeper to reach your highest potential, become monumental. It was I against I, now I'm truly satisfied. I against I, now I'm truly satisfied. Set. Dust and bones. I've been holding on to you for way too long. Getting up the ghost and moving on. Dust and bones. Dust and bones. Oh, what a feeling. 
love for something, yeah, yeah, but it ain't got love for me. Listen, trying to find more reasons to smile than to cry, because these eyes have no rivers bigger than the space between the saints and the sinners in a world that doesn't really seem to pray anymore. anymore. What can I say anymore when the war is waged against us and the war is raging in us are about the same size and these times are so vicious, so different, so crucial, so dark and so bright. At the very same time, I urge you to carry any goodness you can find. I know it feels heavy, but you'll bear the weight in time with the ease of baby smiles for your spirit get grown. Your energy explodes, fill your feet on unpaid roads, put a flower in a gun, tell them buck a shot for peace as our warriors increase just to protect us from police. There's flames in our bellies, so there's fire in the streets because all you ever feed us is injustice and defeat. But we don't have to eat and we will not retreat. Devoured all your sour, now we craving for the sweet. We have hands that no violence and hearts that no grief. Our souls scream in silence, begging for release. Police, what if I should take a bullet, flip the trigger at your baby, say it's his ways that made me do it, huh? Could you? I ain't got that hatred in me. That's the sour in your stomach. That's the bitter in your bones. And that's the fact that you can't stand to see a black man on a throne in the place you call home. And that's the fact that you can't stand to see a black man on a throne in the place you call home. Yeah. I was back here about to catch the Holy Ghost. Right, I was like, right, right, right. Hey, Serve over there like that, <laughs> that was something that African spirituality we just talked about. That's okay. No doubt. No doubt. So really quickly, no let us know is there is there a website or social media where people can uh find your stuff at? Yeah, it's yeah, we're at the reminders on all social media, TheRemindersMusic.com. Just keep up with us. We're pretty easy to find. Cool. No doubt, no so doubt. thank y'all for coming on, yo. This is Renegade Culture, and we are we out of here. Oh, Boom. Oh, 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 Blackout. Oh, oh.